Hola, this is Lorena Junco Margain, and I'm so excited for this journey. We decided to launch this podcast to share my story with the hope that you could connect the dots of your life and truly be on your way. on my way. Lorena sits down with her executive producer, Casey Helmick, to discuss his background in marketing for nonprofit organizations and how he got his start in podcasting. Casey shares his extensive knowledge on how podcasts started and why they're so often used by personalities, brands, and organizations to get their message out to the world. They discuss their close working relationship and Lorena thanks Casey for all his hard work, emphasizing the importance of recognizing those behind the scenes in creative industries. Now to today's episode. Hello, my friends. So good to be back. Part of my mission in life has always been serving and helping. That makes my heart very happy and it helps me understand that I can make an impact in the world. And I've often noticed that I many times tend to be in a very privileged position where my voice can be heard. But I want to acknowledge the people that are behind the scenes, the people that do the hard work that structure things, and that they are truly helping me be on my way by just them existing and doing their part in my life. And do know that if you're listening to this and you're interested in following this movement of how you can make this world a better place through your passions, through the gifts you have, reach out. You can find our contact at the end of the podcast, and there's a full resources webpage under my name, Lorena Junco Margain. But today I want to honor Casey. Casey Helmick is the owner of Terra Firma. And I want to ask him very, in my limited knowledge, how are really podcasts produced? How is it that I ended up with him? And why did he end up in this niche? So Casey, welcome and thank you for yeah, having you. the flexibility to share. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, well, you know I'm a behind-the-scenes person, so you're putting me on the spot today, but <laughs> I always appreciate you, Lorena. We got started in podcasting a little bit different. I don't even think you know this story. I do But don't. I worked in nonprofits for 10 years, and part of that journey, I started doing podcasting for nonprofits that were helping bring water to people who are in need or food to people or medicine. That and, totally makes sense because you know. you, you're a very intuitive mm -hmm. feelings person. Yeah. Like you, you do go to the next level of understanding and seeing the person yeah. that we're going to interview. So you yeah. were in the nonprofit. Yeah. And the hardest job in the world is to ask people to give money to something that they might never see or touch or experience. And podcasting was a great tool for that, telling stories from all around the world and telling how your money could help people. And so that was my first interaction with it. That's a really hard world to work in. Mm -hmm. It's a constant Is it very cycle. competed or what's Yeah, the there's a lot of, you know, you think about even the person listening now, you probably have a letter that came to you in the mail this month asking you for money to support something. And yes. there's never an end in sight. And it can be a very grinding job uh, because there's no finish line. And so after 10 years, I had kind of gotten to that point where we needed change and podcasting was sitting there. And I really do think, I think it was a very spiritual journey for me 
because I didn't invent that myself. It just, when you get to the end of that road, you look down at what you have and podcasting was there. So we got into it that way. And so our clients are very diverse. We work with authors and we still work with nonprofits, but we love working with people who have incredible stories. Um, there's nothing worse than trying to do my job when someone doesn't really have anything to share or say, because it's all relying on what you share in front of a microphone. There's no visuals. It's just a very raw sit down and listen to conversations um, kind of format. So we love working with you because you're good at that. Thank you. Yeah. And how I know how I ended up with you because I was vulnerable and open to my friends and community yeah. like I need help. Yeah. I have no idea how this is done. And I ended up with this amazing team and, and you've witnessed we're all great human beings and and like it, it's very close to my heart. You're all family. In other podcastings, do you see this is different? Is Do you need to have, so for example, I learned that you need certain amount of subscriptions mm -hmm. to then move to the next tier where you can charge. And mm -hmm. how does that world look like? I, I feel there's yeah. like a bombardment of podcasts yeah. right now and It's very hard to understand which one is good, which one is bad. Yeah. What are the avenues or yeah. what's the discernment? I'll get a little bit nerdy and maybe I'll throw out some numbers and they may be too much for people, but I it's love important. It. So there's 4 million podcasts that exist. That's the actual number. It just went over 4 million. But the trick about podcasting that is different than a lot of other things, maybe it's similar to books, about half of those we wouldn't consider active or impactful, meaning they don't have anyone listening to them. It's they're small or maybe they stopped podcasting. Maybe they quit because it was too much work. Is that in the U.S. That's or globally? Global? Yeah, global. So there are a lot. It seems like nowadays everybody has a podcast. Everybody's doing it, um, but very few people do it successfully. And we would consider successful that you can keep going. You do more than maybe 10 episodes. And you have a message to share that you could do for as long as you want to. It's not a one and done or a burnout kind of situation. So there are different levels. There are certain people that have the objective of putting out a podcast and making a lot of money selling advertising. And those are kind of the big podcasts you'd see if you went and looked. And then there are certain people that use their podcast for very specific purposes. Maybe they're, they have a book or they've got, you know, some sort of project they're pointing people to. And there's spectrums in between all those areas. My favorite podcasts are the ones that know why they're doing it. They're not just having conversations or answering questions, or but you can tell from the get-go they have something to say, there's a purpose to this, and if you research the person behind it, they typically have a resource for you, a book you, they could read or a website with more information. If you're looking, if you're trying to figure out what is a good podcast? Go to that next level. Go to the person's website. See what, see that they have goods to back it up, that they're not just chit-chatting, but that they've done the work. You know, again, you're a good example of that, somebody that wrote a book. And part of what we're trying to do with this show is shed some light on your story and on the book. And um, as we've done in a couple interviews, we believe that if people read your book, their life might be changed because there's inspiration for people to be found there. So in this case, and in many cases, podcasts are a way to connect with your audience. We describe it as the campfire. So it's the place that you want all your people to gather around and have a conversation. 
and leave with a bit of um, entertainment, a bit of new knowledge, and good memories that when we were around that campfire, something good happened there, and we want that in our life. But it's a challenging, what you're trying to do is very challenging. It's hard to find the podcast. It's not easy to discover new podcasts. And there's a lot of them to compete with. So there's a lot of them. And also what I've noticed is that I guess it's a newer industry than it's not as intelligent as pushing. They do push certain podcasts that might interest you. But uh, how do you get front page in? Is it a paid thing or is it just a click amount of one of the one of the beauties still of the industry? And I hope it stays this way for a bit is it's not a paid thing. Most people listen to podcasts on Apple or Spotify, and then there are lots of other platforms that people listen on. And those teams have editorial teams that listen to podcasts and pick what goes on those front pages. And you can submit your podcast for consideration, but they pick. And often those front pages are culturally relevant. It's pretty comforting to know that it it is a leveled field yes. in a way that you, if you really are consistent yes. and have a good message and content, yes. you can kind of pass that Now, threshold. some of that's changing. We're sitting here in Austin. Some of that's changing. We have lots of people in Austin that are doing podcasts and they're being paid by Spotify or other people. And those are a bit rigged in the sense that, you know, Spotify pays them to do a podcast and they're going to plaster it everywhere and on the billboards totally. and that that's much more like a radio or TV kind of. Would world, that be so. the equivalent of doing your book through a publishing house, or it's yeah. or it's a, a little bit more deeper yeah, than it's, that? It's a bit more intense with podcasting because when the places you listen decide to push something, it really does work. I think public book publishers still struggle with that because where they would push the books are bookstores and places that they have control over. And the world's changed. People don't buy books in bookstores anymore. They go to Amazon. Totally. You know, and people don't listen to radio like we used to. There's still a lot of radio listeners, but why would you listen to radio at two o'clock in the afternoon when you could listen to the podcast version anytime you want, whenever you want from your phone? And the world's just changed. You know, technology's changed and everything. And I've seen so many new podcasts coming out. Dear friends that I know too, like the Joe Rogans of the world. We go to the same school and I'm always trying to break the code, like, what is it that he did right and that this way? And what are what am I doing right or wrong that I want to... Are there any good or better practices? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bit discouraging to say it this way, but most people only found out about Joe Rogan on the back half of his career. But he had three or 400 episodes that he had recorded before wow. he was a big deal. And if you go back and look at some of those first ones, they're not very good. We'll just say that they're not as good quality. So you go back to consistency. You just need to be consistent and produce, produce. It's it's certainly what we see is it's a platform that you work really hard and you stay consistent. And it's typically one idea that takes off. We have a, a young lady we work with and she does dating content, you know, trying to help people have better dating practices and she, she was very consistent and just kind of the same level. And then she did this real practical series on how to use social media in your dating life. And that just took off because it was relevant. She kind of hit something that made sense to people. And what happens is your listeners start to share it more often. We think what we're making is shareable, mm-hmm. but it's not unless people share it, right? right. So 
I think we should, and even for this show, we should pay attention to what people resonate with. We've done some interviews where people said, I listened to that podcast. It was so good. I shared it with all these people. We should always be listening for that and saying, what else can we do to help them and repeat that and stay consistent and continue to make content? And I do believe it's been true for most of our shows. Eventually, the worlds align and you talk about the thing that's happening in the world and you do it in a way that sounds good and your audience responds and and shares it. But as far as kind of practical, how do you grow a podcast? I'm a big believer in, and we do this a bit on this show, not bouncing around too much, but talking about similar types of content in what we call a series. So it would say the next three episodes, we're going to talk about, you know, how to defeat anxiety in your life. And you give people a bit longer to kind of catch on to what we're trying to do here. If we're always doing you know, anxiety and now excitement and fear and we're bouncing around, it's a bit harder to track with. And so you think about a, you know, a TV show that you might watch. Usually there's connectors between the episodes and yes. it's more of a series that you can follow along with. We don't always do that well in podcasting because it's so easy. We set up some microphones, we call a friend in, we have a discussion and we move on to the next. You know, so the more we see the intention and the connectedness the easier it is for listeners to remember to come back and listen. Yeah, and to have like cohesiveness. Yeah. So I've also seen lately, like these past two months, that now they're putting not only audio, but they're actually recording yeah. the scene. Is that a, a thing that is trending or you think it'll go back to just voice? No, I think it, it's a funny market because when podcasting first started, it's only 20 years old. It started in 2000. It started audio and video, and then video kind of burned out, and we do see it coming back. It's mostly because of YouTube. YouTube is so yes. searchable, and people are finding that it's it's making the discovery of your podcast a bit easier. It adds a lot of work because you have to have cameras and edit video, and it, be, it can become a big deal. But if you can get videos on YouTube, think of how many millions and millions and millions of people go to YouTube and search even things on that you know that we cover on this show. How do I truly find forgiveness, or mm -hmm. um, where's healing in this situation, or what? You so the search criteria within the podcast app yeah. is not as elaborate. No, you no. cannot ask a question and they push exactly. Actually, that that's an opportunity. It there. is a big opportunity, and it doesn't have to be incredibly complex. What I have been recently been been encouraging podcasters to do is to don't start capturing the whole episode. So if we sit here for an hour and talk, we don't have to feel the pressure of capturing an hour long video and trying to post that. There's probably a five or 10 minute totally. moment. And that's probably the thing that's being searched for. You know, the, the moment when we talked about the three ways you can forgive somebody, mm -hmm. that's going to be the clip that people are looking for. Yes. So just getting that out on YouTube, making sure it's titled the right things can really help. And then making sure in the video you tell people this is part of a bigger podcast and you can listen to it over here is a good strategy and certainly an opportunity we should explore. Totally. Yes. I, I think we we are lacking that because mm -hmm. it is a reality that my little eight-year-old is YouTubing. Yeah. Since I don't let him play a game, he watches YouTube and watches a guy play the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that's a reality. So yeah. I think um, let's use it as a 
vantage point. And yeah, absolutely. I, and let me, and you bring up a good point of just paying attention to what's happening out there. I watch my kids do some of this stuff and we watch them pretty closely because media is very dangerous for kids these days. Is. And I remember we got my son who's seven, we got him a, a video game for Christmas last year, the year before. And he was playing it and he knew all the thing. He knew how to do it all. I was like, how do you know? Like, how could you know this? Because he had watched some other person on YouTube play the game and he had learned it already. It's and fascinating. the way kids are consuming all this stuff is very relevant to what we're doing, even though it may seem disconnected. Is there truly an algorithm for success in a podcast or is totally a combination of lucky strikes? There's not an algorithm, but it's just like any other media, you know, It starts with making something that's high quality enough that people would listen to it. And then it's all the other things you build around the podcast. That's why we describe it as a campfire, because in order to get people to the campfire, you needed to have a good sign to tell them where to go. You needed to have the, the fire s'mores. and the wood and the s'mores and all the things around it. And in this case, that's maybe YouTube to welcome people there and help them find it. Maybe it's a website where there's more resources. Maybe it's showing... Who else listens to the podcast so they don't feel like they're the only one in their car listening to this story, but that there's other people like them? The number one reason, there's been a lot of surveys around why do people listen to podcasts? The number one reason, um, the last research thing I saw said 65% of people who listen to podcasts say they listen because they have a connection with the host. Okay. They feel a deep connection. They feel like you're their friend or you're their mama bear or you're their aunt or you're their uncle or whatever it may be. They feel that deep emotional connection. And I think part of that's because it's an audio platform traditionally. So you're in someone's ear while they're washing dishes or while they're on the treadmill or while they're living their Stuck life. Stuck in traffic. Yeah. So if you're there with them in real life moments, that's very different than the TV shows that we watch or even radio or reading an article. Those things you have to stop. So you have to stop your normal life. And you have to start mm -hmm. watching or reading. This is more like a multitasking yeah. sort of deal. Is there a magic number on the length of the podcast? Sometimes I feel I go a little bit too long, yeah. but then I want to share. Yeah. I believe the information is important. But then I see there's this guy that gives you the three minutes of the day <laughs> yeah. and how to start it. And, and I do it daily. So I wonder what's the perfect balance between... Yeah you pouring out your soul and why that person really wants to spend time on you pouring out yeah. your soul. Like I don't believe in a perfect time, but I think it would be naive to not recognize that people listen while they're washing dishes, working out, you know, driving to work. And those tasks, 20 minutes or 30 minutes, right? There's nothing worse than being in your car, driving to work, listening to your favorite podcast And you get there and there's still 10 minutes left on the podcast. <laughs> yes, I've been, I've had that And you situation. don't know what to do. You know, you're not going to sit in the car, but it's not enough that you probably come back to it. So you feel left out. Um, so I think we should acknowledge that. But, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast tends to be three hours long. I know. And then you're right. There's a lot of kind of short daily tips and tricks. But part of um, what I've noticed is that, I mean, if you're going to be interviewing super successful people or celebrities... You can do the three-hour thing. And yeah. my dreamer side of me says we also need to listen to normal yeah. people because if not, it's too far away from reality. Yeah. And it's, I mean, obviously that's curiosity. I I was 
amazed by the Elon Musk yeah. episode. Like yeah. I felt I had a conversation with him and that's magic. But I, then you go home and you're like, Man, I'm never gonna accomplish anything. Well, there's He's, a time and a place for everything. There's I agree. a time for a three hour Elon Musk interview, but there's times when you're probably at home and you couldn't fathom turning that on because you're so in a different space. And I think the idea that we're gonna talk to famous people to have a popular podcast is not helpful to the world. I think if you're Joe Rogan and you're built for that and you have the relationships and you're good at interviewing people, that's what he's made to do. But not everybody's built to do that. So you just find your purpose. And that's on the timing question. If you're the kind of person that can wake up every day and record a five minute whatever and give it to the world and it truly helps people, you should do that. Mm -hmm. But that's not, I mean, Joe Rogan wouldn't do that. He couldn't Correct. do that. He couldn't be confined to that rhythm and that he's, I, you just know after listening to him, he's not that kind of person. So I think you have to be honest about who you are, what you're good at, what resources you have around you, and just figure out how to optimize those things and connect with people. Lorena Junco Margain, passionate art collector, devoted wife and mother, is already shaken after fleeing Mexico with her family while pregnant due to concerns for their safety. After arriving in her new home in Austin, Texas, she learns she has a tumor on her adrenal gland. Although not life-threatening, the condition is serious and requires surgery right away. Having long experienced unexplained symptoms of dizziness and lethargy that neither medications nor holistic or Ayurvedic treatments have helped, she embraces the news with tears of relief. With a simple surgery, she can regain her strength and joyful spirit. But fate can be mischievous, and to err is human, even for surgeons. Rather than improve after surgery, her condition worsens. On the way to Casa Lotus is the gripping true story of Hunka Margain's journey coming to terms with the permanent consequences of a surgeon's devastating mistake. Mindful that even good people make errors and that vengeance such as legal action would not mend her broken body or soul, she chooses instead to embark on a quest for peace and healing, beginning by seeking space in her heart to forgive. You can get your copy of On the Way to Casa Lotus on Amazon or at LorenaJuncoMargain.com. Until what point as a, as a podcast company do you feel compromised to deliver results or do you yeah. just deliver the product? Yeah, we feel a pretty heavy burden to make the podcast sustainable. So then we called the company Terra Firma because that the kind of the Latin phrase is mm -hmm. solid foundation. So we don't want people to be the 50% that burns out. One of I the reasons it. people burn out is because they can't make a financially sustainable model. So we feel that burden like every single day. I'm a natural marketing person. When I was working in the nonprofits, that was my job, fundraising, marketing. I just happened to inherit podcasting because I was young and it felt new and I was really lucky to get that because it's changed my life. But still within me as a marketing person, how do we tell people about this and get them to do something about what we're giving them, activate them to a cause or a book to buy or whatever the thing may be. So we carry that burden pretty seriously. Our service may be providing the podcast, but that service will die. Some, it does touch you. You do get very involved. Deeply, very deeply. And for a lot of our podcasts that grow to the size to be able to have advertisers. We 
help fulfill that. For people that may not get to that size, we try to help them think through a model that where they could make money. Um, but it, it, it does, I would say it, it can weigh on you if you, if we think about it for, for a time and we look at our client list and say, who's successful or not, who's, who's not going to be podcasting next year and why. And we look at who may be on that list. Many times it's because it takes a lot of effort and it may not be producing results for them. The one misconception about podcasting is that it's really simple. I mean, in the room right now, we've got a person running equipment. You've prepared. We have a, a guest that we interviewed early. She did a massive amount of preparation. I did. We traveled to get here. Phone calls. Phone calls. And then that's just pre, once we get here, the actual art of podcasting, which I'm terrible at because I'm a background person, being in front of a microphone is hard work. It's challenging. It's it's exhausting. And I know after a day of recording, I know you're tired. Along with the burden that we carry of making podcasts successful, we don't take lightly that the people we work with pour themselves out to try to make good content. And that's hard work. It's very emotional work. So do everyone that does a podcast, for example, people I see on Instagram mm -hmm. that they're in their desk and have their own microphone, sure. is that also considered a podcast? Like there's like this invisible, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, if is it art or is it right. painting in your backyard? Like, yeah. is that also yeah. how the You're podcast... Yeah, you're very intuitive. I, this, so... Without getting into the full history, because that might take me an hour to explain the nerdy side of that. I love your nerdy side, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> podcasting started in the 2000, early 2000s, and some of the first people to use it were public radio, um, newspapers, people that already had stuff and jumped in. But very quickly, the culture of podcasting was independent people. Like You'd be surprised how many podcasts you've listened to that are super successful, the person sitting in their closet in a little corner, quiet space in their room, still recording to this day. There are podcasts that make thousands and thousands of dollars a year, and the person's just sitting in their little closet in their house recording and it. And who edits? Studio. Who adds the music? Yeah, once, once podcasts start to grow, the pain point for a podcaster is all this stuff around us. It's very difficult to execute everything. Most podcasters you see, you're talking about somebody at a desk, mm -hmm. they're doing all of it. And we don't think that's a very sustainable model because when you're the content maker, the editor, the equipment person, the marketing person, you're trying to make money doing it, it's too much. That's like five full-time jobs in one person. So we you see a lot of those, yeah, we see a lot of those people burn out or they find a way to make it work for a time And it almost always ends with them bringing in helpers to jumpstart it and take over things that they can't handle. There's a left brain, right brain kind of situation here where there's very organized people that are good at the preparing and the note taking and the scripting. And then there's creative people. Most of the time, people aren't both of those things. To be a successful podcaster, you need all of that. And so if you're not that, you should... Be fully aware of it and know who you're missing in your life. Is it a systems person that can set up the microphones and help you? Or is it somebody that can help be creative and come up with ideas and keep you fueled in that way? But most people aren't both. And that's part of what I think I discovered in my prior work was somehow I think I have a bit of both, which is why I can do what I do. Um, and I think that's something that podcasting has taught me is what's your superpower? What are you good at? And you said earlier, connecting with people at a deep level 
I think that's because I have a lot of empathy for both sides of that. Mm-hmm. The, the person that's very, you're a very creative person. You're very artistic. I think in the, the planning steps, sometimes I see when we're talking about it, you're like, okay, he's just going to do those 10 things. Cause I'm going to focus on the creative side of what we're doing. And I love that we know that about each other and we work well in that way. But if you had to do all this by yourself, it would be, I, this, this would not happen. exist. Yeah. As a fact, it wouldn't. And and I think that um, there's a p- public for everything. You know, yeah. people might like very structured. Mm-hmm. People might like more fluid. But uh, I do think that for all the listeners out there, do know that podcasting, we are putting words that are set now. Yeah. And, and yeah. we need to take it seriously and try to make a positive impact mm-hmm. and also praise the people that are behind the scenes because they are roles that we all need. I am an artist and um, I always get frustrated when someone goes to a museum and says, oh, I could do that. And I'm like, but there's no there's no foundation behind yeah. it. There's years of studying. There's talent. There's craftsmanship. There's intellect. You know, it's a sustained thing. And I'm I'm not saying they can't do that. They can. But I think yeah. that as human beings, we need to honor each other's talents. Yeah. And if we all did that, we wouldn't be fighting. We wouldn't be dividing. We would all just be playing our part. Yeah. So I thank you for having this flexibility. And just another question. If someone wanted to start a podcast, does everyone qualify? Or are the podcast... Like, I've always wondered... Where does where do managers come in? Sure. Or like, how does that world look like? Yeah, it's it looks complicated. Mm-hmm. But I I think for people that are highly driven, they tend to navigate towards getting a team around them of people quicker than people who maybe don't know where they're headed and they're floating around a bit. We work best with people who know where they want to go. They know what they need to talk about. They know what they need to make. They may not know what ducks to put in what order. They may not know that they need a microphone. Part of our company helps with books. So so a lot of people that come to us, our first decision isn't, should you do a podcast or not? It's out of all the things we do. Yeah. What do we do? Is it writing a book first? Is it creating a podcast first? Some people aren't good on a microphone. I'm one of those people. Some people are better at writing. Um, And so Part of our, the way we've described our company is that just like you'd have a financial advisor help you know where to put your money, we like to be that for your content. So you have an idea, you have a a concept that you're trying to get out to the world, but you may not know, should I write it? Should I speak it? Should I take a video of it? Should I do any of this? Am I crazy? We like to be a part of that part of the discussion. Anyone can start a podcast. But again, if half of the podcasts end up failing, what's the difference maker? We're yes. trying to be that difference maker. What other industries? I met you through the book. Yeah, yeah. What other sort of industries do you have been complimenting to yeah. race? Yeah, we certainly are in books and audiobooks and then podcasting. We have gotten a bit into um, the advertising side of things, mm-hmm. which has been a fun journey, which was birthed out of that burden to try to help people. Do you seek? the um, advertising person mm-hmm. or or the person being recorded brings in we we do both um the complicated side of advertising is 
most advertisers want to work with big. They want Joe Rogan's. Totally. So our first step when we work with people is to set a realistic expectation of how long it might take them to get to that level where they have enough audience and they can have a brand of some sort pay them to be an advertiser. Um, so we're getting is there a, a number like you need a thousand, you know, how yeah, Instagram, yeah. like if you get to 10,000, you yeah. can swipe up. Yeah. Is there a swipe up in podcasts? <laughs> it's about the same number, actually. I'm, uh, what we hear from a lot of the advertisers is come back to us when their episodes are being downloaded five or six or 7,000 times somewhere in there, which is hard for independent people. It's super hard. And it's a, it's a grinding, uh, you know, uh, uh, workflow. So especially in a world where there's abundance yes. of them, right? Yes. You're competing against millions, yeah. not the top podcast listener only listens to five or six podcasts a week. So that's what that's the problem we're trying to solve even with this project. How do we become one of the five things they're going to listen to this week? That's against sports shows and history shows and all the things. It's not just against shows like ours, it's everything. So if we can find a way to make something that cuts through that noise and and does that 5000 times, then we can get a brand to come in and pay some money to do it. We do believe a lot of people we work with are are um, going down this pathway. It's a diversified income stream. So it's maybe advertisers, it's selling books, it's hosting an event, it's combining some efforts and trying to get that campfire to go and do things with you. It's not always advertising. Um, and you know this, you have lots of things that you're involved with. Working with advertisers is hard because they have all these expectations and needs and Sometimes they're unhappy with you. And, um, and then I wonder from the consumer perspective, you know, how now we're spoiled with no with no ads. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I love it. And then when you watch, yeah. I don't know, from DirecTV, you're like, really? Yeah. You know, so now you have a bad relationship with yeah. ads. So I think there's a fine line there on are, were you sold yeah. to them? Yeah. Or because now I'm like, actually, I swipe yeah. and Mm-hmm. skip the ad and then yeah and there's something interesting because we do audiobooks as well there's something interesting the difference between an audiobook and a podcast right now is that you pay for one and you don't pay for the other you buy an audiobook oh, that's but you true. don't buy a podcast now audiobooks historically have been you sitting down and reading word for word your book but that's starting to change a lot of big authors have been able to sit down and not just read their book but provide commentary on it. If they get to a moment in their book where they want to add a special note, then they add it. Um, that's starting to change. And it, when you think about it from that perspective, what's the difference between an audiobook and a podcast? We're yeah. talking, people are listening to it, but one you pay $10 for or $15 for, and one you don't pay anything. So I think we'll see a lot of change. Is a tendency toward charging for podcasts? There's like a, a subscription-based? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely all the technology allows you to do that now. We're not currently recommending it for smaller shows that we work with because even if everyone it's you know you're probably talking a couple hundred dollars and now you've given your listener a bad experience because you've said pay me, pay me, pay me and yeah, it's no a one li- wants to it's hear a that. limiting practice. Yeah. For some people it may work. I mean, if Joe Rogan was to get on the microphone today and say subscribe to this, he'd probably make a lot of money. Totally. But that's not what he needs right now. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that the Joe Rogans and Oprah Winfrey's and yeah. 
I mean, they have 30 years of building the muscle. There is no instant gratification. We forget because we like seeing the success, but they've been working at it for a long time. I I tell people this a lot, especially with those kind of upper tier people. Even they aren't professional podcasters. They have businesses they run. They have books they're writing. They have, I mean, Oprah has everything. Everything. And podcasting, even if they make money from it, it's not their full-time job. If they were filling out a resume for some reason, they would never do that. They wouldn't say, I'm a professional podcaster. I don't know what the two of them would say, but they're, they're a brand. Yeah. They're, they're a walking, living, breathing brand. Mm -hmm. And podcasting is one of the ways they talk to people. So if the top people in podcasting aren't pros, then we're not going to probably become a full-time podcaster. A lot of people make the mistake of getting into doing this too focused on and too fixated on that outcome and not willing to commit to the 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 weeks to build content, build an audience, keep them coming back, and then let things play out. I I worked with a podcaster in the very early days of me doing this. He was in the photography business and pretty small podcast. I think a thousand people listened to his podcast, but it was such a specific show that he had all these brands paying him all this money because people that sell cameras or Mm -hmm. wedding venues or all these people attached to photography, they're just looking for places to get in front of more photographers and more people that care about that industry. So I do think there's opportunity for people. You just have to be smart and, and think about it before you get in front of the microphone and be planned. And again, that's one of the reasons we love working with you because you're, you're thinking through all this. Well, thank you. And I also know that I am very Mexican in a way that I'm very like, Hey, can we wing this? And I really appreciate your flexibility because I've noticed differently than Mexico, Mexico, you going out for lunch means it could be three hours, four, maybe five. And here, even the play dates are like from 12 to two, (laughs) you know, and you drive more than what you, it's, um, productive, very high achiever system versus a you know slower not that big of achievements and there there are richness to that and I think you have both sides. Well we love working with you because you called me a week ago and said can you fly down to Austin and do this and my instant reaction was like oh my gosh that's in like six days I've got so much work to do. Sitting at the beach. Yes sitting at the (laughs) beach both of us actually and you stretch us in really positive ways you're an incredibly caring person and also a very honest person. You ask for what you need. You ask for help. Um, you stretch the limits and you've been a great partner to us, not just with business, but challenging us to think about the world a bit differently. And that's really helpful to us. Thank you. Well, I really thank God that you're in my path because all our team is just magic is happening. And I don't see how this can be, a formula for for good things to happen. Yeah, agreed. Thanks yes. for so having thank me. you, Casey, for yeah. the flexibility. And you guys, everyone that is curious about the questions that no one asks about podcasts, I just did. They were not comfortable questions for me because I should have known, but I didn't. I never really asked those questions. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of talent and strategy, budget limitations, boundaries, 
so many things that they juggle that I really want to acknowledge to all the people behind the stage that do their magic. So thank you, Casey. Yeah, you're the biggest takeaway I've had from doing this with you is how generous you are as a person, even like doing this right now. You're being very generous to us. That's something that I personally want to. It's like being a sponge around you. Like, how can I absorb the culture of Lorena and learn? Thank you. So I I feel the same way. So it's a win-win because we cannot pretend we're all good at everything, right? Exactly. I just know that this is my gift and if we all share our gifts, we will just do good things. Yes. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for recording for us, Jordan. Yes. It takes a village here and um, we'll post some pictures so you can see what happens behind the scenes. Yes. Thanks for listening to On My Way with Lorena Hunko Magain. We'd like to invite you to send us your thoughts and any questions from this podcast by emailing Lorena at LorenaHuncoMargain.com. You can also reach out to us directly through our website by clicking the link in the show description of this podcast. Special thanks to executive producer Casey Helmick, studio engineer Joseph Olguin, audio and video editor Scott Caro. This podcast is a production of Terra Firma and recorded from the historic Arlen Studios in Austin, Texas. Thank you.